You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. We're going to talk all things SEC with our buddy Matt Smith from southernpigskin.com. Really looking forward to talking a ton of topics with him. We'll discuss uh, some of the games happening this weekend in the conference. Six of them. So exciting to uh, get into that. Also, we'll go around the conference, touch on some news, a little basketball news out of Auburn, them getting a big-time recruit there, as well as a quarterback change happening in Georgia. Possibly. We will discuss that as well. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. Get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day, five days a week. All right, let's do it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. What a catch! Around the conference. The SEC announced yesterday they will use Connexon Safe Zone technology. A lot of you are raising an eyebrow going, what the hell is that? The same cutting-edge wearable proximity devices that the SEC has been using in football they're going to use in men's and women's basketball as well. It's going to help enhance their COVID-19 contact tracing efforts. So gearing up for that. The first slate of SEC basketball games tip off next week, next Wednesday. Uh, I was looking through the slate of games. Mississippi State plays Clemson. I guess that one could be interesting, but everybody else is playing some lesser opponent, kind of that ease it in type game. I think Kentucky gets more head state, but it'll be fun. Nonetheless, look, as SEC football's only got a couple weeks left, we assume, unless they extend the season a little bit longer. But uh, it'll be fun to get some uh, SEC basketball actually going. Of course, we'll talk SEC basketball once we get into uh, a lot more once we get into the spring here on Locked On SEC. And speaking of basketball, Auburn basketball announced five-star forward Jabari Smith has signed with their program. He is the nation's number five overall prospect, according to 27 Sports for the class of 2021. He is now officially the highest-rated signee in all Auburn basketball program history. Auburn beat out SEC rivals Georgia and Tennessee for Jabari Smith, as well as powerhouse North Carolina. So congrats to them. Back on the uh, football front, South Carolina, they have now lost two of their top overall players on defense. Cornerback Israel Mukuamu has declared for the NFL draft and opted out for the rest of the season. That comes on the heels of... Standout cornerback J.C. Horn doing the same thing last night. So, man, it is uh, it is becoming – what is going on in South Carolina? I mean, I know they made the coaching change, but is this going to be the trend for the rest of the year? If your team is out of it and you're not playing for anything, are we going to see the guys that are going to be in this year's draft saying, you know what, I'm done. Three games left, two games left, bowl game that doesn't matter. I'm just done. I'm leaving the program. I'm thinking maybe some of those offensive linemen at Tennessee or Kentucky. Maybe some DBs at Georgia. Florida loses the SEC championship. I would think, you know, maybe the Kyle Pitts type says, you know, I'm good on the bowl game. Something worth tracking. Also at South Carolina, they're running back to Quandre White. It's a former junior college tailback. He is headed to defense. He's going to play safety. As they're a little bit uh, low on numbers there in the secondary. And offensive lineman Jordan Rhodes is going to move over to defensive tackle. That change was made as part of a litany of roster moves that the Gamecocks are making 
after uh, firing Will Muschamp. Over at LSU, their wide receiver Terrace Marshall addressed the team in a players-only meeting the other day, kind of refocusing a team that has not played in three weeks. They'll take on Arkansas in Fayetteville this coming Saturday. And also at LSU, their linebacker Jabril Cox, who is uh, on a lot of people's draft radars, said that the NFL scouts have not been allowed at practice all season. It's part of his decision because of that, he's jumping at a chance to play in the Senior Bowl. He said, quote, it's an opportunity I just can't pass up. Yeah, I think we're going to hear a lot of this in the coming weeks to months. As, you know, We talk about draft evaluations. A lot of guys, you don't have the scouts coming to see you at practice. You know, maybe just start like old school recruiting. You start sending your film to NFL draft scouts. Say, hey, man, check out my film. Over at Mizzou, their roster uh, going into the South Carolina game this weekend is a little in flux. They currently have 56 available scholarship players. They just have a rash of injuries going on right now on top of the contact tracing, but offensive tackle Larry Borum, Xavier Delgado, offensive guard, and defensive tackle Kobe Whiteside are all questionable for this week's game. Over at Florida, after remaining COVID-free through much of the month of November, the Florida Gators Report they did have one new positive case this week. No word on how many guys that might affect via contact tracing. But, of course, Florida's game against Vanderbilt still scheduled for this Saturday. So we'll see if uh, hopefully it had very limited effect on the rest of the team. Gus Malzahn was asked how many Auburn players will miss Saturday's game against Tennessee due to COVID-19. He said, quote, there will be a few that will not play on Saturday. So Auburn dealing with some guys out due to contact tracing. At his uh, weekly presser, Vanderbilt coach Derek Mason says that running back Keon Henry Brooks did not practice this week, but he said he feels good. So he'll get a better idea as the week goes on if he can play on Saturday. Back-to-back 100-yard games for Vandy rushing the ball. Over at Tennessee, saw this number tweeted out. Tennessee in its first two games this season, they scored 66 points and picked up two wins. Tennessee, in their last four games, they have scored 58 points, zero wins. Things have certainly taken a turn for the worse for the Vols since they were 2-0. In a message exchange with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Erica LeCount, who is the mother of Richard LeCount, of course, uh, Georgia DB, she said, uh, Richard's ultimate goal is to play for the Bulldogs again this season. He is in physical therapy. He's doing well. His immediate goal is to return to the football field this season. She, um, Kirby Smart said we're hopeful. So it's more when he heals, he's getting more exercise. He's able to do some things on the bike. He's still got some open wounds, though, so he's not able to get up and train. Kirby Smart said LeCount attends practices and meetings, still enjoys being around the team, but whether or not he makes it back depends on how long the season goes. So you know, Richard LeCount's a guy who's on a lot of people's NFL draft radars. He doesn't necessarily have to come back for Georgia. But we'll see how it goes in the coming weeks. I saw this story last week. There were 13 former Iowa players who filed a lawsuit against the program, including head coach Kirk Ferentz. And some people are thinking that the Iowa coach could be on his way out. Stephen Godfrey over at Banner Society says that Mark Stoops could be lured home despite his great success in Lexington, Kentucky. Mark Stoops was a defensive back at Iowa from 86 to 88, and he then began his career coaching as a grad assistant for the Hawkeyes in 1990 and 91. Godfrey said there's a much more desirable job than folks might realize at Iowa. So they've always been viewed as a coach's school where if you fit there, you can build something very long term. I don't know if 
Mark Stoops is going to be leaving Kentucky for Iowa. But again, it's all about dollars and cents. Iowa Annie's up the money. Maybe he could end up going there. And that is around the conference. So uh, there you have it. A lot going on there. Not all great news. But again, as we stand right now, we still have six games happening in the SEC this weekend. So that is a good thing. When we return, Matt Smith, SouthernPigskin.com, going to join us. Halfway through the week, halfway to the weekend, halfway to me sitting on my couch and enjoying some ice cold Coors Light. You don't have to wait till the weekend like I do. If you're heading out to a happy hour today after lunch, you're meeting up with some friends tonight, social distancing, whatever you're doing, make sure you do it with an ice cold Coors Light in your hand. It is literally the beer made to chill. We tell you all the time, it's the official beer of watching any sport at any time just to drink beer. Mountain cold refreshment, made to chill, cold lagered, cold filtered, cold packaged. Coors Light is as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. When you see those blue mountains on the side, you know it is ice cold Perfect for a moment to unwind. So whatever you're doing throughout your week, find a time to just relax, unwind, and crack open an ice-cold Coors Light. It is the one that I choose when I need to relax, unwind. So when you need to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. That is Coors Light. Get them in their new-look can delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. And please remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, a quick minute here for our friends at Built Bar. We tell you all the time they are the best tasting protein bar ever. If you're looking for a healthier alternative, instead of going to the junk food, the potato chips, whatever you're grabbing at the 7-Eleven, stopping and pumping gas and grabbing whatever disgusting chips or pastry they might have at the front counter, stop doing that. Stock up on some Built Bars. You can check them out, builtbar.com. You can buy a package, a variety pack. If you don't know what flavor you want, my personal favorite is the cookies and cream. They have six new flavors they just introduced not too long ago, 18 different ones. So if you're not sure which one you want to try, try the variety pack at BuiltBar.com. They'll send you one of each. You can see which one you really like. Again, the cookies and cream one for me, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams net carbs. Such a healthier life decision and choice than those other junk snack foods out there. Remember, Built Bar, they have their promo code. If you want to check them out, BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Use that. You'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Rock and rolling, locked on SEC. Chris Gordy here with you. And man, there's a lot to uh, look forward to this weekend in the SEC. Only three games this past weekend, but only one postponed as of now. Fingers crossed for this weekend in Ole Miss and AM, but sounds like everybody else is going to play, and that is a good thing. And join us now to talk all things SEC, our buddy Matt Smith from southernpigskin.com. Matt, what's going on, man? Hello, yes, all is well. You feel like you got to timestamp everything these days, but yes, <laughs> as of now, we are looking at a six-pack of games this weekend, and, and I hope that stays throughout the week, but uh, I'm understandably a, a, a bit skeptical given what we've seen the past couple weeks. Yeah, we're a daily podcast, so we're, I mean, we at least tape every day and I still feel like sometimes the 24 hours between podcasts, we have tons of stuff breaking, tons of stuff happening. So here's hoping that you know we get in most of the games this week. And I was reading your uh, Week 8 recap up at southernpigskin.com earlier, and you do a really great job with those and a real thorough breakdown of the games. And obviously there were only three games um, in the conference this past weekend. But, Matt, I, I am just appalled at 
how offense has taken over in the SEC. You know, we've know, you know, when Lane Kiffin got hired by Alabama, we knew, you know, things were changing. Dan Mullen was obviously innovative with the things he was doing at Mississippi State now at Florida. But man, it, it seems like every week in the SEC now you gotta score in the forties to secure a victory. That's crazy. I mean it it does not feel like it feels like a lot longer than nine years ago that we had that nine to six LSU Alabama game um, where there was just nothing going on either side of the ball on offense, you know, bad quarterback play, uh, turnovers, mistakes, errant throws out of bounds. And now nine years later, I mean, you pretty much got to score 35 every week if you want to win a game in this league. And that's for both good teams, mediocre teams and bad teams. It's stunning. And yeah, for three games last weekend, I think everybody scored at least 35 points. Um, it was nuts, and for a guy like Kelvin Harris at South Carolina to run for 240, 245 yards and five touchdowns, and he can even manage to be a co-offensive player of the week because Kyle Trask and Matt Corral um, had such ridiculous stat lines as well. It, it's nuts. I mean, the, the Big 12-ization of the SEC is, is pretty much complete. It's fun, but it's a lot different than what we saw uh, back at the beginning of this decade. I just want to bounce around, so I'm going to just do some quick hitters with you all around the conference. Uh, your overall reaction when you saw uh, Will Muschamp was let go at South Carolina? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I figured every decision this year would come down to finances. You know, I'm sure South Carolina's financials were are very much in the red, like everybody else this year. But you know, a couple phone calls to some key, some key donors who are, who are fed up with the record and the style of play we've seen over the past couple years from the Gamecocks. Um, that can change change things if you get a couple guys to write that check and you know i'm sure ray tanner did that and was able to accomplish that and get some promises and uh with that said he had to pull the plug and you know i think again in a normal environment i think it was time that program felt stale um i don't think Muschamp really adapted very much like he needed to from his failures at florida um to where the league was going and you know it's as we just talked about this is an offensive league now Muschamp's never been that guy um, he had one great year doing it his way at Florida back in 2012 when they went 11 and one. But you know, even the good South Carolina teams, they just couldn't compete with some of the the top the top teams in the SEC. And you know, it's a pretty good job when Florida and Georgia are both right and clicking like they are now. That's a tough place to win. And obviously, with uh, their in-state rival being one of the Goliaths of college football, that, that's a tough gig. But you can win there. We saw Steve Spurrier win it, win 11 games three years in a row there, less than 10 years ago. So it can be done. It takes some luck. Um, to be able to become a, a consistent winner like they were back in the early part of last decade. Um, but, yeah, I think it was time, assuming the finances are all okay and, and it works out for the Gamecocks. It, it, it just felt very stale the way they've looked the past year and a half. Not who you think they'll hire, but who would be at the top of your list in terms of who you'd like to see at South Carolina? Oh, man. You know, I, I guess it's hard to separate the two because I just felt last cycle when – you saw Billy Napier kind of not be a top candidate for Ole Miss in Mississippi State. The thought was just that he's holding out for South Carolina. We didn't know if it was going to be one year, two years, or whatever. Um, but I've just always kind of had that in my head that that's where it's going to end up. Um, he's really done nothing this year at Louisiana Lafayette. As we talked about last week, I'm still going to call him Louisiana Lafayette um, to not make himself a contender for that job, having that big win earlier in the year against Iowa State. Um, you know, I think he's the favorite, and I think it's the job he covets. Um, again, Jamie Jadwell, the other story, big story in the Sun Belt, doing a heck of a job, and that would be kind of fun to see him uh, make the short trek up from uh, from the coast to Columbia and take over that job. That certainly be a fun story. Um, but I'd put him a notch or two behind Napier, I think. And of course, the wild card obviously is Hugh Freeze. Um, I still believe his next head coaching job is somewhere in the ACC. You know, I think NC State would make a ton of sense. That's probably not going to come open this year. 
Um, you know, he's very well compensated at Liberty, so I think he could hang on there for another year or two. Um, you know, with their schedule as an independent, they can rack up a lot of wins. So you don't really see that program eroding and him becoming less sexy of a name. So I've always thought of him as more of an ACC guy, given his history in the SEC. Um, I know Greg Snake, he's certainly not a big fan of how that ended at Ole Miss and wouldn't necessarily be all that green on signing off on him coming back to the league. So I think Napier is a pretty clear number one at this point. Again, just because I think he want, he's wanted that job. He didn't show much interest in those openings last year because he thought South Carolina was on the horizon. And it looks like he's going to be proven right. So I think that's a great fit, given his history there. Worked with Saban a little bit. Spent time at Clemson. Knows the area well. Um, I think that's a pretty good match for what the Gamecocks are looking for. We've seen some opt-outs throughout the season, Matt. Um, a couple just this week at South Carolina. Now that things have gone awry, Will Muschamp's been let go. J.C. Horn, their big-time cornerback, and, and Israel Mukuamu, who are both projected to be you know draftable guys. Um, them opting out, maybe not specifically on them, but is this going to start a trend for some of the teams that maybe aren't playing for the big prize at the end of the year? I'm thinking specifically maybe some of those O-linemen at Tennessee or the O-linemen at Kentucky. In other words, if they're on a team that's going to finish you know, sub-500, go to an average bowl, is this going to start a trend of guys just saying, you know what, I'm done with this, the season's a wash, I'm just going to opt out and start preparing for the draft? Oh, I think it's definitely a valid concern. I think we thought about that a little bit in the summer. Well, okay, when when things get started, everybody's going to be all in on the protocols and the social distancing, not being able to go out and hang out with your friends and go to parties at all this year. That was just going to be off the table. But when you got to midseason, you're sitting there at two and four, and you're not going anywhere. Um, it requires a lot more discipline to stick with the plan and stay focused as a college kid on a week-in and week-out basis. So we have seen a couple guys, you know, Paris Ford has started to be up at Pitt. Uh, he pulled the plug in the season a couple years ago. And I, and I think combine that with the fact that players love Will Muschamp, you know, as crazy as he is on the sideline, he's a really good guy. His players love him. Uh, we saw the reaction at Florida when he when he got fired there. I remember Dante Fowler pretty much the day after Muschamp was fired. He said, I'm going, I'm going to the NFL. Um, you know, might have gone anyhow as, as a top prospect as, as a junior, but you know, he quickly said, "I'm I'm done now." That Kirk Muschamp is not there. I think we're seeing the same thing this year from Horn and Mukulamu making those announcements over the past 24 hours. Players do love Muschamp. That is, you know, proven time and time again by the reactions at his couple stops. Um, but it just didn't work out. And yeah, I think that's definitely something to watch here over the next couple weeks um, as teams really fall off the map in terms of contending for division and conference titles. Um, is it just too much for these guys and know they're, they're going to go to the NFL? I'm just kind of want to pull away from that environment and turn the page knowing that uh, the requirements are still pretty strict for them in terms of what they can and can't do as a college student right now as the season starts to wind down. So, yeah, definitely something to watch. And, you know, I don't blame the kids. There's, we've asked a lot of them this year to be able to pull the season off um, pretty much strictly for financial purposes. And uh, South Carolina give up on their coach, so I have, I have no problem with the, the players giving up on the program as well at the same time. More with Matt Smith, southernpigskin.com, right after this. Rolling along, Locked on SEC, the podcast here for you five days a week. I know the uh, NBA draft is rocking and rolling. Reminder, check out our friends over at Locked on NBA. Doing a fantastic job. Whatever team you're a fan of in the NBA, they'll have you fully covered with post-draft conversation so uh definitely want to check that out on the locked on 
Podcast Network. Uh, continuing our conversation with Matt Smith, southernpigskin.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Matt Smith CFB, one of my favorite uh, football writers out there. All right, Matt, let's get back into it. Georgia, it sounds like it. Do we finally see JT Daniels at quarterback for Georgia this Saturday? It does sound like it. And again, that's just been such a mystery this year was whether he just wasn't medically cleared to go or was he really getting beat out in practice by Stetson Bennett and Dewan Mathis. Um, but it sounds like it's probably time with Georgia's championship hopes pretty much gone as of the Florida loss two weeks ago. Um, they got what should be three very winnable games, maybe four, um, down the stretch here to build some nice momentum for 2021 and, and kind of figure out your quarterback situation. Because, you know, as we saw in the Florida game, um, the way Georgia is set up and the way Kirby Smart has tried to win games, that's just not going to work anymore. Um, the offense, the great offense against the great defense battles are being won by the offense. And again, that's not the way I was brought up in football. Um, but that's new reality of football is when you get that, you know, unstoppable force against the immovable object, the unstoppable force is winning most of the time right now. So I think that's the one blessing for Georgia to have lost that Florida game. I think it really does signal to Kirby Smart that I, I need to rethink this program and how I want to win games and try and win championships. Um, if they had won that Florida game and gotten to, back to Atlanta and lost to Alabama, well, then it's like, well, okay, we're still getting to Atlanta. We can't quite crack Alabama, but that's just stay the course. Um, now that a team that they've you know handled pretty well the last couple of years came in and whipped their butts a couple of weeks ago, I think that's a major red flag for Kirby Smart. I think they'll take a long look at what they want to do with this program uh, schematically and stylistically as we head into the offseason. I think they're getting a little bit of preview of that um, over these next three, four weeks, assuming JT Daniels is the guy for the next couple of games for the Dogs. I understand it's a little unfair because Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, Mac Jones, none of them played a game last weekend. But Kyle Trask put on a show uh, at Florida. If you had to turn in a Heisman vote today, would would Kyle Trask be the guy? I think I'd give him a slight edge over Jones. Boy, it's tough tough right now. Um, I think Lawrence really not hurt himself. Obviously, it wasn't his fault, but not getting that spotlight game against Notre Dame. Um, we've seen what games against their name can do in the past. It won it for Carson Palmer. Uh, it got Jamarcus Russell a lot of money by beating Notre Dame in a bowl game. Um, so he really needed that spotlight game. And he might get another shot, obviously, in a couple weeks. But um, I think that really set him back. And Fields, will we just have the stats playing, I think, a maximum of eight games now um, for Ohio State if they get through the whole season in the Big Ten Championship. As numbers probably just aren't going to stack up with what we see from Trask and Jones. Um, with still probably four or five games left for each of them. So I think I'd lean Trask right now. Um, I've just been so impressed. Am I, you know, punishing Jones a bit for the weaponry around him? Probably so, but, you know, that's something you have to account for. Obviously, uh, Trask does have Kyle Pitts, but he's missed a couple games. And other than that, I think Alabama certainly has more weapons and certainly a much better running back in Najee Harris than what the Gators have. So I'd give a slight edge to Trask, uh, but he's got to keep it up and, I think it's certainly probably welcome down to how the two fare against each other in that head-to-head matchup we hope to see a month from now in Atlanta. Just a couple more for you, Matt. The uh, Looking at the games this weekend, I, I know Kentucky, they're not going to be able to beat Alabama this weekend. Alabama's a 31-point favorite, but Kentucky does have a good secondary, good DBs that have gotten turnovers, gotten a lot of interceptions this year. Is this maybe a good test for Alabama to go up against you know a good secondary for once? Feels like they've gone up against some bad defenses, but go up against a good secondary that you know maybe could get you ready for the, the, the stretch of the season. Yeah, I think it's not a bad matchup for Alabama, given they have the Iron Bowl next week. It should be a decent test, at least. Um, 
know, the defense I thought for Kentucky was a little shaky late in the Vanderbilt game. That game got probably a little closer than it needed to. Um, probably should have put that thing away and shut them down and, and moved on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the offense for the Cats is just too one-dimensional. Um, you know, Saban will certainly scheme to take away the running game, and Terry Wilson certainly isn't going to beat anybody with the kind of talent Alabama has uh, with his arms. So, yeah, good test. You know, it could be a, with Alabama coming off two weeks off in a row, I could see it, you know, kind of being an ugly first half, um, you know, 20-7 to 7 or something at halftime before they really pull away in the second half. So, um, you know, Kentucky's going to do what they do. No surprises, no tricks. Um, they're going to hit you. They're going to be physical on both lines of scrimmage. I think that's a good test for Alabama. Again, getting back into the scheme of things, having not played a game for three weeks um, to face a team that's going to push around a little bit. They'll obviously pull away and win, um, but not a team that's going to, you know, cower in the in the fear of having to play Alabama. They'll throw some punches and maybe land a couple um, and get Alabama back after their long layoff. Uh, no disrespect to Auburn. I know they're in the top 25, and I know Tennessee has had their quarterback issues, but I keep seeing that line in double digits, Auburn minus 10.5. Am I crazy to think Tennessee keeps it closer than that? It's hard to predict anything for Tennessee. I just don't know what the state <laughs> of that locker room is right now because they yeah. sure look like a mess. It's, it's the same thing every week. I mean, the third quarter for them coming out of halftime is just so bad week in and week out. Um, I think they have seven points after halftime in their last four games. I mean, that that's terrible for uh, an offensive coordinator and a, and a head coach slash defensive coordinator who have been in this league for pretty much 10 years, and they just can't figure out their halftime adjustments. So that that's my concern with Tennessee is just what's going on in there, what's in the locker room, is there still a trust factor in the coaches given that whatever goes on at halftime, they're losing that halftime adjustments battle. So the one thing I think Tennessee does have in their favor is Jeremy Pruitt does have a pretty good history against Gus Malzahn, coach against him at, at every stop, obviously first in the national championship game when Florida State beat Auburn. Um, he was at Georgia and shut down them pretty good for a couple years there, obviously back at Alabama, and then pulled a big upset of Auburn a couple years ago in his first year at Tennessee uh, when they were a top-15 team. So the history of Pruitt and Malzahn does make you think Tennessee can compete, potentially win this game. Um, but I, I just can't put much stock in a team that just looks so bad. The coaching does not appear to be aligned, not a lot of chemistry, and obviously very shaky quarterback play from Jarek Garantano. Potentially Harrison Bailey might get some snaps as well, the true freshman. So I still like Auburn to, to win probably by about two touchdowns. But, yeah, I think the one thing working in the ball's favor is Pruitt knows Gus Malzahn's offense and knows it well. Last one for you, Matt. We certainly appreciate your time. Uh, LSU-Arkansas, a little bit of an early game back at Fayetteville. Sam Pittman expected to be back on the sidelines again. Um, Arkansas, man, I, I just I, as much credit as we gave Barry Odom for all those weeks, I did not expect their defense to give up 60 points this past week and just crazy. Uh, is this a game where LSU can maybe get themselves feeling right again with their freshman quarterback at the helm? I'm, I'm still going to put more of that on Kyle Trask last week than I am going to put much blame on Arkansas's defense. You know, they're still fundamentally sound, but with their talent level, it's just not going to slow down offenses like Florida and Alabama. So um, I'm not going to put too much blame on them. And again, what is LSU's mindset right now? Um, do they want to try and finish the season and build some momentum and maybe get back to the 500 by season's end? I, I don't know. Again, being out of sight, out of mind for the past couple of weeks, dealing with some COVID issues, it, it kind of feels like a who wants it more game. You know, on even footing, if both teams want it the same, still a major talent advantage for LSU. Um, but again, like you said, Chris, so impressed with what Sam Pittman's done. Again, making those two good coaching hires that are really paying off, um, keeping that thing afloat after the, the Auburn debacle to come back and win a couple games after that. 
Um, again, kind of like I said with Tennessee, it's just hard for me to pick LSU right now because I just don't know what to expect. I don't know what's going on in that locker room. And just amazing how that line has swung from, I think it went off at LSU minus 42 a year ago to now Arkansas being a one or two point favorite and 43, 44 points in the matter of less than a year that that line has swung. Um, just absolutely crazy, the turnarounds for, for both teams. But again, I think I'd lean Arkansas just because I think I know what I'm getting from them and I have no idea what to expect from LSU at anything yeah. um, after not playing the last couple of weeks. This feels like two programs headed in opposite directions right now, despite one Absolutely. being the reigning national champs. It is crazy how quick things can crazy. change. Matt Smith, uh, southernpigskin.com. Give him a follow, at Matt Smith uh, CFB. Uh, appreciate your time so much, man. Really uh, like the content at southernpigskin.com, and uh, we'll have to do this again. Yeah, always fun, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. Matt Smith there of uh, southernpigskin.com does a great job. and. Like I said, it's one of my go-tos every week. Go check it up and seeing what uh, Matt writes on uh, the SEC. And like I said, did a, a, a fantastic recap, uh, despite only three games in the conference this past weekend. But hitting on all the big storylines heading into this week of the SEC, where it appears that we will get six games in the conference as one postponement with Ole Miss and Texas A&M not happening. But uh, I, I'm real curious to see what the SEC does here moving forward on rescheduling all these games and, and making up, you know, squeezing in as many as they can, uh, making up all the postponements. Mm, it's going to be tough. That is going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. Appreciate all you guys for listening. Remember to subscribe if you haven't done so. We're here for you five days a week. Get download right to your phone, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, whatever you use get our podcast right there and remember you can always go to lockedonsec.com just an easier way to pull it up if you don't want to download anything you can just stream it right off your phone or your computer or tablet whatever at lockedonsec.com my thanks to uh, matt smith for joining us we'll have some more guests throughout the week as we start to look ahead tomorrow and friday we will turn the page and really start delving into the matchups this weekend as you know look georgia and alabama are heavy favorites all the rest are a little bit closer games. Auburn favored by 10 points. Bazoo by 6. Arkansas by 1 over LSU. So some closer games uh, this week, hopefully, in the conference. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a great week.